Uh, we're going to go into the Word this morning, and I just want to pick up, uh, we've been in hot pursuit, and I want to remind you of that passage that, that started all of this with us in Psalm 42, 1 and 2. The Bible says, as the deer pants for the water, uh, so my soul uh, longs for you, O God. How many of y'all have ever been thirsty? Our Lily Lane is the thirstiest kid. We even took her to the doctor and said, something wrong with this kid? She's thirsty all the time. The doctor said, no, she's just a thirsty baby. She wants, she wants tea. <laughs> all the time. Middle of the night. Dad, I want tea. <laughs> we should be so thirsty for God. Amen. We should have that desire for the living water to come and to fill our lives, for the word of God to enrich us, for the spirit of God to flow over us. So he says here, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs for you in a dry and thirsty land. Thirst for you, O oh God. So I just want to challenge you again and remind you that, that we have set ourselves. There's, there's a time when you're naturally thirsty, uh, hungry for the things of God, that there's a natural desire that is birthed within you by the Spirit of God. And then there's a time for you to decide as a believer, I'm just going to be hungry for Him right now. I'm just going to be thirsty for Him. How many of y'all choose what you're going to eat sometimes? So why, why are we waiting on God to go, oh, be hungry for me? Wait for some, some spiritual move of God to, caught, to spark a hunger in us. You can decide what you're hungry for. Sometimes I just want a taco. And it's not always on Tuesday. You can decide to be hungry for God. You can decide when you, when you identify that there is a dryness within you. You can say, soul... It is time to desire the Lord. You can say that. You can decide that. So God is challenging you, Church of Living Water, to come to a place of maturity and not wait. There's so many believers, listen, we're all Pentecostal. We're just waiting on God to do something. And, and I think 99% of the time God's like, yeah, I'm waiting on you to do something. Waiting on you to step toward me. Let me see the hunger in you. We're going to talk in the next few weeks uh, now, next Sunday, Bishop Halverson is going to be with us. I can't wait. And you ought to bring somebody to hear the word of God that comes through this great, the richness of this man in his life. But, but, but beyond that, as we move through August, we're going to have, uh, for the next about four weeks, a discussion on what God desires in our hot pursuit of him. How many understand, if you have a, 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 a if you're married... Those of you that have a spouse, uh, you, you, under, you begin to understand what they desire, what their need is in, re, in, re, in the context of their relationship with you. What does your husband need from you? What does your wife need from you? What kind of support, what kind of role do you bring? What is your strength that is their weakness? Laura and I have learned over the years, many years of marriage, that she strengthens my weakness. She strengthens more of my weaknesses than I do hers. I'm going to tell you this right now. She strengthens my weakness. One of the things that I receive from her is a great expectation of the blessing of the Lord. I, I didn't have that naturally. I grew up in, in a, a 
impoverished environment, and I didn't know that blessing could chase me down and overtake me. And, I, and I, being married to that woman taught me that there is always something good of God that is coming toward me. And I should expect it. I should expect things to be better tomorrow than they were today. I should expect things to be brighter tomorrow than they were today. And I've just gotten so wrapped up in that now. I'm having fun going to heaven because I know that God is for me. He loves me. He loves you. So, Lord, my soul is thirsty for you. So we're going to pick up right in Hebrews 12, 28. We finished up that chapter last week, and we're going to just take the closing thought of that chapter and move forward and begin to discover what is God looking for from me? What does he want? When God looks at me, what does he desire? What is his need from me? How many, we, we all expect God to fill our need. How about if we fill some of his? I'm going to let that hang on the air for a minute. How many understand if you... Hallelujah. I hope you don't have to go to work. How many understand if you have, if you have children... And they never call you and they never come see you, you're going to begin to wonder if they, if they care. Isn't that just kind of a natural, that's kind of a negative thing. I don't mean to be negative here, but, but that's kind of a ne- negative. But if you have a good friend or you have a friend and you're, you felt very close to that friend and then suddenly they, they, they just move on down the road and they don't call you anymore and they don't check on you, you begin to wonder, how, how do they really feel toward me? Now, there's those friends that distance comes naturally, but when you're together, it's like you've not lost any time at all. But how many understand that the Lord is waiting for you to turn your attention to him and he has need to hear from you. He has a desire to hear from you. God gets excited at the sound of your voice. You think you're happy when when God speaks to you? (laughs) Not nearly as happy as, as he is when you speak to him. So Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, Hebrews 12, 28, uh, let us show gratitude. Attitude of gratitude. And offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Our God is indeed a consuming fire. So let us, let us approach God with gratitude and offer to God pleasing service that is acceptable, uh, pleasing service and acceptable worship with reverence and awe. So I want to challenge you on this point of, of go ahead. Offer to God pleasing service. Let's start out there. The apostle said, I want you to offer to God pleasing service. You know what the Bible says about this? Listen, I, I want to be very careful because I, I appreciate what uh, was prophesied just a few minutes ago. That there has been this understanding in the mindset of the church that we got to work our way in. You got to do something for God. Well, you need to do something for God. That's he, he, put, he graced you. The Bible says he graced you for good works that would bring him glory. 
But God isn't sitting around going, well, I'm really getting tired of this guy not doing anything. God is not sitting around picking you apart. I'm telling you, one of my favorite scriptures, I always read this at funerals, uh, I, John 3, 16 and 17, especially when I'm talking to a family and I'm not sure if they know Jesus, I always read John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. But then I, I don't stop there. I read John 3, 17 because he says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. And I want to set your mind free from the idea when we talk about serving God that God isn't sitting there picking apart. Everybody has some, I hope there's nobody in here named Sally, Aunt Sally uh, on the other side of life that every time they see her, she's got something to say about some bad decision they've made or some poor choice they've made or some difficulty that they've entered into because of, of a poor decision and she just kind of hacks on it and picks them apart every time she sees them. Well, you should have known better. I want, you, I want to help you with something. God isn't doing that to you. The whole reason for the cross... The whole reason for redemption was for us to realize that we weren't able to keep all the rules and regulations. That doesn't mean we're not supposed to serve Him in righteousness and holiness and, and, and have a pure heart. And we're not supposed to do our best to do what is right to Him that knows to do good and doesn't do it to Him and it's sin and so on. We, we, we know all of these things. We're supposed to live in right living and right, wise choices and, and, and right understanding. But Jesus isn't sitting there going, oh, you blew it. I'm going to get you now. I help you with that. Because there is a striving that arises in, in us that is, that, is, that is not of faith. Oh, let me help you with this. There is a striving that arises in the believer that is not of faith. Now, the Bible teaches us to strive for mastery. The Bible teaches us to strive for the goal, set our eye on the goal and on the prize, and to strive for that achievement and to move toward that thing. When a runner runs in a race, he, the Bible says he's striving for mastery. He's striving to, to be the best in his particular uh, race or in his particular uh, trial. But... His striving is one of wisdom and one of grace. He's trying to just strengthen himself for the journey. He's not going, oh, I hope I win. The coach is really going to beat me down if I don't. And God is not standing over you desiring that you would strive in a striving toward him that is not of faith. When you strive toward him, there is a joy in the race. So he says, I want you to offer to God pleasing service. Let me help you with something. Striving to achieve a better place in the kingdom by what you do is not pleasing service. In fact, the Bible says when you do something for the accolade or for special recognition, your motive is recognition, you have your reward. How many want to stand before the Lord and, the, and we start throwing out in front of him the things we accomplished? And he goes, well, you did that for recognition, so you got recognition. Hoorah. Let's not, let's not strive in a way 
that is not born of faith. Let's strive in a way. You know why, you know why I strive most in the things of God? The areas that I would say I strive in, I strive to please Him, I strive to be with Him in His presence, I strive to hang out with Him. I strive to hear His voice because I want to hear what He has to say. So this is what the Bible says in, in the area of pleasing service. Whatever you do, do it heartily. Listen to, the, listen to the tone of that. Do it with all of your heart as unto the Lord. Laura and I were on a, a trip to some church thing that we had to attend back east. And we got in the car with, I think we were with Roger and Lenny. And we went into a museum that was an old Pentecostal sect called the Shakers. They were, they were people of God. Shakers, one of the things that they were known for was brooms and chairs, furniture that they made. And they were explaining to us that while they're, the Shakers, no longer, they were just Pentecostal people. They just shake under the power. That's what they were known for. They'd get in the power of God and, and they'd just begin to quake and to tremble. Well, that's biblical. So there's nothing wrong with that reason that they are no longer around is because they, they gave themselves wholly to the Lord and, and they stopped procreating. They, they, when, they, when they became a shaker, they, they renounced all of, all of uh, the flesh and so they stopped having children. Well, how many understand if you don't have children, your organization's going to die, right? You don't procreate, you're dead. So that's, they went by the way because of their, that issue in their doctrine. But they did everything as unto the Lord. And, and it, it was interesting that today you can still find from, from uh, 100 years ago or more, you can still find pieces of their furniture and brooms that they made because they considered their work worship. How many of your employers would be so blessed if you considered what you were doing worship before God? Whatever you do, this is Bible, whatever you do, do it heartily as though God were watching or as though you were doing it for Him. You're sitting down at work and you're writing a report and you're making sure every I is dotted and every T is crossed and every fact in that report is appropriate and correct because you're doing that as though that were going to lay on the desk of God. How impressed would your employer be? You might get a raise. Whatever you do, do it with all of your heart as though you were doing it for God. He's saying take this into the daily practice of living. Don't half-heartedly do the laundry. Don't half-heartedly. You, you need to prepare your home so God can arrive there, so people can arrive there and be blessed, so somebody can feel, feel comfortable to knock on your door in the middle of the night needing a loaf of bread. That's scripture, by the way. And then this passage began in, in Hebrews with, with serving the Lord with gratitude. Psalm 100, 1 through 5 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Joyfully serve Him. Listen, 
There's some things we do in the service of the Lord that ain't fun. There have been plenty of times that I've, I've stood in memorial services where, where I'm supposed to comfort people and there's no words for what they've just experienced. There's none. And the only thing that I can do is I can stand in their presence and I can put my arm around them and I can remind them that God cares. In this moment, I have no words, but I'm standing here representing to you that Jesus is in your presence. And the Lord says, serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness even when service is no fun. There's times when, when uh, we have work day and it's just time to, to, to dig up weeds and, and uh, carry out trash and wipe down window seals. And, and those things, don't, they're not fun. You ever just enjoy washing your windows. It's not fun. But it's in the service of the kingdom to prepare the house to receive those who would come to worship. So we serve the Lord with gladness. So you know what he's saying is, even when it's time to do things that you do not consider enjoyable, that whatever you put your hand to and that you do with all of your might, do it in a spirit of gratitude and a spirit of gladness. Lord, I'm doing this as though, as though I were doing this for you. Is that too practical? Is that not spiritual enough for some of us? When Adam and Eve got themselves in trouble and the Lord began to talk to them, they began to blame their situation on each other. They lost their gratitude. And they just began to say, well, it was, it was, Adam said it was Eve's fault and Eve said it was a serpent's fault and... I just want to challenge you that the Lord wants to see a joyful heart in the believer. And, and that's a decision that we make. Ooh. I, I, heard, I saw a dirt road right there and decided not to go down it. Then he goes on and he says, Offer to God acceptable worship. And I want to remind you of what uh, the word says in John and 24 in Jesus words God is spirit and true worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth and I just want you to consider what is acceptable worship and we've already talked a little bit about this last week so I don't want to belabor uh, that but God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth and there are a whole lot of believers running the earth and they're very analytical and they're just stuck in their head and and some of them uh, quite often if you get in a, a real conversation with him. They don't even want anything to do with that spirit stuff. But the Bible says that the letter kills. If, if, if the word is your source of life and, and you have no spirit in you to bring life to the word, the word's just words on a page. That book that you're holding, unless it is inspired in your heart by the, by, the word, by the Spirit of God, unless that is inspired by the Spirit of God to be life-giving in you, it's just words on a page. You just as well be, uh, just as well be reading some other book. It's just a book. It's just got stories and history. If it doesn't, if it doesn't come inspired by the Spirit. 
But then you'll meet people in, in the kingdom, and they love Jesus, and they're all spiritual. And they'll tell you, I'm a really spiritual person. They haven't cracked a book in years. They have no truth in them. And they just try to live out of what God's whispering today, but they have no foundation in his word. Listen, I'm, I'm so tired of, 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 of prophetic expression that has no word in it. In the earth, there's all kinds of yapping going on and, and saying God said this and God said that nowadays. And you, you can go look at it. Please don't. You, you can go look it up on the internet. It's all over the place. And a bunch of false stuff that's not coming from God at all that people are saying God said. And it's because they've not taken the time to put a truth foundation in them. But they that worship Him will worship Him in spirit and in truth. So true worshipers, Jesus said, will worship him in spirit and in truth. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is what God is looking for from us. You present, listen to what, listen to this, listen to this. You Present you to God. Is that what that says? You go to God. Listen, this is not, this is not uh, intercession time or altar time or, or, or public worship time. This is you in your prayer closet. You go to God and say, God, here I am. I'm presenting me to you. You... My, my flesh, a living sacrifice, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. Oh, but he, you might walk up to Starbucks and he tell you to pray for somebody. That's really awkward. No. What if you did and God touched their life and set them, their life on fire? What if you just obeyed the Lord in that moment? Simply loved on that person and said, hey, I just want to encourage you that Jesus loves you. Can I pray for you or can I give you this scripture, this thing that from the Lord that the Lord is saying to you over your life? Can I just give this to you? You present your body a living sacrifice. God doesn't want you dead. You're of no value in the earth if you're dead other than you fertilize You're of no value in the earth if you're dead. You're no value to the kingdom, dead. Is that good enough? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. This is your reasonable service. And I love the Amplified right here because it says this is your reasonable act of worship. I really, really want to impress upon you that worship becomes a seven-day-a-week activity for you, not a Sunday morning experience, that you realize that when you are home and when you are ministering to your family, moms, when you're putting the soup on or you're making the little mac and cheese for your babies or, or you're changing diapers and, and all of this, there's nothing, it doesn't feel spiritual at all. But God seeks godly offspring and you're raising children to know the Lord and you need to realize that even in that practical act of service, Service, that you are offering worship to God through doing what is appropriate and doing what is wholesome and doing what is best for that little child to raise that child to know Jesus. You are offering worship to God. Would you take worship home with you? Oh, it don't feel like corporate worship. 
And I told somebody one time when I'm sitting at the counter helping one of my boys with math, because not, that's not my strength, <laughs> I don't feel deeply spiritual at all. But there's a young man sitting there that's not going to be in prison and not going to be living on the streets and not going to be homeless and not going to be broken that would have been. Not deeply spiritual. It doesn't feel like the anointing of the Lord is going to come. I'm going to prophesy to him right there. I'm going to learn to do that math. Bring your worship home into your daily activity. That's what God is saying. Be a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you prove. You offer. You prove. You offer yourself. You prove what is good and acceptable by the way that you live before him. God is looking for living sacrifices. Let's stand together this morning. Prayer teams, would you come and be here today? Father, this word that we've received today is a maturing word that we need to take home with us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would challenge each one of us to rise with the sunrise tomorrow, that we would awaken with the determination that the word of God that has been delivered to us today is going to be alive in us tomorrow. That the spirit of God that we experience today in our worship and in the teaching and all that we've experienced here is going to be alive in us tomorrow. That we're going to live out the kingdom. I break the spirit of anxiousness off the minds of your people. I break it now in the name of Jesus. I heard the Lord saying as we're finishing up here. Rest in me. Don't be anxious for anything. Some of the circumstances that some of you are dealing with aren't going to be resolved in the next 24 to 48 hours. They're circumstances that have developed over the course of time and God is navigating you through them. He's not going to take you out of them. He's teaching you. He's going to navigate you through them. He's going to take you to the other side of them and then you're going to say, the Lord has been my deliverance. But you need to say now, Lord, I know you're taking me through this. I know you're helping me navigate. I know you're helping me find my way out of these restrictive circumstances and these broken places. I know you're leading me. I'm going to keep stepping with you. I don't know who that's for, but you just ought to receive.